Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Practical Guitarist Podcast is brought to you by Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Great Lakes Guitar Pickups provides fantasy tones at prices a practical guitarist will love. Featuring top-notch construction, attention to detail, and a fully custom product, if you can dream it, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups can probably build it. Follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pickups. Are you a regular listener? Why not? David here reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Review us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Practical Guitarist, or on Twitter as at Practical Guitarist. Support the show. Merchandise is available in our Threadless store at practicalguitaristpodcast.threadless.com. And donate to us via Patreon, available at patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. Reach out to us directly via email at questions at practicalguitarist.com. All right. I'm David. I am Jim. And, and I'm Steve. <laughs> yeah. We're sitting here with uh, Steve Stein. Steve Hello. Stein. Hi. So, Jim, why don't you get started off? I mean, sure. I was just telling a story about. So, um, when I was young, um, I got a chipped tooth. I, I think it was fourteen or fifteen. I was on a cover thing, of course. And um, a symbol came up. I, I was turned around. A symbol, when it got crashed, just got hit just at the right angle. You know, you, and I, I just happened to be sitting over there smiling at the drummer. And of course, you're a smart Alec, and I'm really short. And back then, I was even shorter. I don't know if I was five feet tall yet. So. Um, no, I know I he didn't wasn't. have platforms yet. <laughs> and, and I went over to the, the drummer. Anyway, the, the symbol came up, chipped my tooth and it took, it took a um, great Getting hit with a symbol is gnarly, man. Yeah. And it caught my lip. I was I, bleeding the whole time. <laughs> I was playing once. It, it, you know, you know how it is when you play at a place where the stage is so small that you can only fit your drummer on there. So then you're on the floor. Yep. So we got our mic stand set up and there's all these, ladies dancing and we keep trying to you know you'll be playing and you take your foot and you kind of push them back yeah so they're they're not running right yeah so they're not running into your mic stand all of a sudden i i turned and then i woke up and i was on the ground and my singer is screaming at this lady here she was she was a, a heavier set woman and she came at me with her bottom and she hit my mic stand which smashed me in the mouth and it hit me so hard it knocked me out. Yeah. So when I woke up, I had a mouthful of blood, and he was yelling at her, and the lights were on, and they were shutting the whole thing down. And uh, when I got home, I had to have a root canal. They had to take the tooth out, and yeah, yes. the battles of playing on clubs. It's, the worst I got is you know I had a I had a Fender Strat with the uh, the old uh, bent steel saddles, and it had it had the uh, the the uh, screws were like sticking way out because oh, I no. never ground them off. 
And of course I'm playing and I'm like, didn't look down and there's blood everywhere. And like the side of my wrist is all like, Oh yeah. <laughs> running all over. Put him on suicide watch. <laughs> yeah. It's like, whoops. Uh, whoops. Yeah. So unfortunately so, I, have to, I got hit with a symbol right. one time, but not in the face. Yeah. <laughs> the back of the head. So, the arm uh, actually. Steve Stein. We, um, so Steve Stein, you've got um, uh, a thing called guitar zoom which is a instruction platform, correct? That is correct, yes. Tell us a little bit about it, please. Well, GuitarZoom is actually owned by a gentleman by the name of Dan Denley, who uh, at that time was out of San Diego. And uh, just long story short, he got a hold of me. It's probably been six years now, seven years maybe. And um, at that time, I was, I was working about 70 hours a week. I was, I was on the road with bands on the weekends, I was teaching guitar lessons. I was a professor at the local college. I was a Montessori instructor for 14 years, if you know what Montessori education is. Um, and I was doing all of those things at once. And so literally from 6 o'clock in the morning till 10, you know, 10.30 at night, I would work. And I got this phone call from this guy, Dan. He's like, yeah, I saw some of your videos. And at this point, I had posted a couple of videos on YouTube and had no idea what I was doing. Just... I don't even know why I was doing it, but I, I had a couple of videos up and I don't know how he found them, but he um, asked me if I'd be interested in making some content for him. And at that point, I was still in the stage of my life where I never said no to anybody ever, you know, every band that would ask yeah, you to right, play, right. you know. And so I said, of course, and I started making content for him and it slowly turned into a friendship. And ultimately, about five years ago now, yeah, about five years ago, I started working solely for him and I quit everything else. And so now I just create content for guitar zoom for, you know, social media, YouTube, all that sort of thing. And, uh, and then travel and do seminars and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And that's what I do now. So very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So our, our Facebook page, um, I posted, I said, Hey, does anybody want to ask you any questions? Um, and they didn't ask any questions. Just everybody said, oh, I love that guy. <laughs> and, I, you know, so I kind of want to get to that post real quick. I should have had it up already to um, read that. But um, the, re the responses were like, um, uh, no, I that's actually not have that open. That was the bad one. <laughs> that oh, wasn't true. That was a, um, I had posted about a, uh, a pedal that oh. uh, some folks uh, said, okay, here it is. Um, so, <clears throat> Uh, Robert Jackson from um, uh, Robert Jackson Guitar Dungeon. Yeah, Jackson Guitar Dungeon. He's a YouTube channel that's got Robert's that. Guitar Dungeon. Uh, Robert's Guitar Dungeon. Yeah, about ten thousand listeners now, and um, uh, he said, "I love Steve Stein." Um, Eddie Osgood said, "Oh, nice." Um, <clears throat> and Dan Kish said, "This guy explains shit in a way that makes total sense to me." <laughs> well, that's good to hear. <laughs> and I agree and, with that. I agree with him. <laughs> um, I'll read one more. Uh, Raymond Pashuka said he's the best and quite a motivational speaker. And I had just um, been in your, uh, you had a live um, seminar this week. Yeah, I'd been in that. And uh, you spoke about that. So there is there were some um, things that you spoke about in that that seminar, I thought maybe you could share some of that with us and some of the things you think are important to people um, who are playing guitar and, sure. and who are learning. Obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, well, the biggest thing for me is uh, Jim and I were talking about this a little bit earlier. 
I've been teaching, I started teaching when I was 17. And when I started teaching private lessons, it just exploded here locally. You know, I, I had a waiting list. And, and I'm not saying those things to try and boost my ego. I'm just saying I think, I think my gift is that I am able to listen to people and figure out what, as best I can, what, what they need. And, um, so I've never, you know, when I would teach lessons and things like that, I would never like just use, you know, the Mel Bay method or something like that, or whatever it might be. It was always just listening to somebody and trying to figure out where they are in their journey and what it is that they need. So for me, it was never a, you know, you need to know all your theory or you need to know all your technique or you need to be able to do, you know, sweeps or something like that. It depends. You know, my daughter, I have a 17-year-old. She's she's a singer-songwriter. That's the kind of music she grew up listening to. Um, you know, not only stuff like Ed Sheeran, but stuff like Lindsey Buckingham. You know, she listens to lots of different things. And in my eyes, that doesn't make her any less a guitar player, quote-unquote, than anybody else. It, we're all just trying to figure out what works best for us. And so that's why... You know, people ask me what I do for a living, and I don't even know what to say because, you know, I can say, well, I teach guitar lessons, but I really don't anymore. Um, I think of it more as it's just guitar motivation is really what it is. I try and get people through videos and through content I create and through discussion to rethink the way they're, they're approaching guitar to make sure that they're doing it the right way. Because the one thing that we all don't have enough of is time. So if we just believe that the only way to learn how to play guitar is that you have to practice, you know, finger exercises for an hour a day, and then you need to study, you know, scales for whatever. Who's to say that that's the right way for everybody? It's not, you know? So if you've got somebody out there that's, you know, trying to be a songwriter and they've got an incredible voice, my voice is absolutely horrendous. So I spent my time learning how to play guitar (laughs) because I couldn't sing. And I, you know, now if I was able to go back 20 years, I'd probably learn how to sing. But I, I didn't. So my and, and plus, you know, I'm 48. So I grew up, you know, it was 83 when I started playing. So look at the people I was trying to, you know, around me. It was like Eddie Van yeah, Halen. The golden and, age of that. Oh, stuff. God. I mean, it was Malmsteen and Randy Rhodes and, you know, Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and all these bands. So my thought was, man, if I want to get in a band, I got to practice, you know, so, you know, f- five hours a day. And yeah. And um and I was so, doing the, I took the other road. I was in the lover boy, you know. Sure. He was in the bands that didn't practice at all. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, yeah. Lover boy. I could learn three notes and I could know a whole solo. <laughs> right. Well, here's, and that's the thing is, is, is all, all any of us have to do every day is turn on YouTube or turn on Facebook or something and see some eight year old kid out there from somewhere in the world. That's better than all of us. Right. So, so it, it can't be just about the co- the competition of how good you think you are because you're never going to be good enough. If well, music, you, isn't a, music isn't a competition anyway. Th- and that's, well, it is to get a job. Like if you're trying to get like land some gig or whatever, right. If you're just a, and, and the vast majority of players we've encountered are not professionals and they don't, they don't really have any aspiration to be because they understand that it's just a crowded market. Right, right. And so. you're, you're right. And that's the thing is, is if you're using that competition in a positive way that makes you want to practice every day, that's fine. But if you're using it to beat yourself down every day, because we wake up every day and wh- I think what it is, is we tell ourselves we need to be Stevie Ray Vaughan and Steve Vai and Ingve Malmsteen and Joe Satriani at the same time. Those guys wake I'm up not. every day and they're just them. 
That's all they do. Yeah. We, we, we don't, we don't try, we don't spend enough time trying to find what we want. We're just trying to emulate what everybody else is because we assume that that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what I try and get people to understand. If, if that's your gig and it makes you happy, then that's great. But most of the time it doesn't make people happy. It makes them pissed off. It makes them frustrated. Yeah. And so that's the goal is going, yeah, that's right. So, so let's figure out what does work for you and, and grow on that and, make you a happier person. Maybe you could write songs. Nowadays, we can all write music in our homes. We can all release music on Spotify that nobody's going to listen to anyway because there's, the, like you said, the market's so crowded anyway. You're selling Enjoy me. The do you ride. do private lessons? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't do private lessons. Yeah, but, right. but this is why I, I'm more and more, I'm, I'm doing more of these seminars where I'll, go, where I'll go out for two or three days and meet people. And, and I did one last summer in Nashville and what I did was I had SIR Studios come out and put up a full rig, lights, yeah, right. the, the whole thing. And everybody that attended, they had to get up on stage and play with each other. And some of the people were like, look, I, I can't do this. And I was like, no, 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 you are going to do this. And I, that Sunday came around and they were like in huddles trying to, okay, could you play bass on this song? But after everybody got it out of their system, they couldn't stop playing. Because yeah. the competition wasn't there. They were just enjoying the ride. Right. We had to shut it down at 3 o'clock because uh, the, the, um, it was the Grand Ole Opry, the, the hotel out there. Okay. Opry, Opryland, I think it is. And um, they told us to shut down at 3. Nobody wanted to shut down because everybody was having so much fun. <laughs> that's the way it's supposed to be, yeah, in my that's opinion. awesome. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. I, I tend to fall into the – sorry, Jim, I didn't mean to interrupt. I tend to oh. fall into that, that other category of people that's like – yeah, I can play a lot of the stuff that, you know, like in the, of those artists you mentioned, I can play a lot of the stuff, but then there's some things I'm just like, I can't, I'm never going to be able to do this. Like I, I just can't, and I don't have the time to devote to it, but right. you know, I, I should probably stop and think to myself, like, look, I'm 75% of the way there. That's that's farther than most people get. Right. You know, and look at what I can do with what I have and right. start using the tools that are available to me, which brings us into the year of no gear as well, which is something that Jim may have mentioned to you or may not have mentioned. No, I didn't. So, so what you're, now what we're trying to do is, um, I'm, not, I'm not very good at it because three weeks after we started, I bought that <laughs> SG right there, but um, <laughs> we're trying to do a year where we don't buy any new gear and we try to, um, we're trying to- uh, Use what we have. have to, right, you use what you have and use it better. I, I noticed you play a gem. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Why would I talk about that? <laughs> yeah. How long have you been playing of playing your gem? Because David's been looking at them. And yeah. Sure, sure. Um, the gem I bought when I was 17. I bought my first gem. It was my senior year in high school. And a buddy of mine and I, they had just come out because they came out in 1987. Right. And one of the local guitar stores had a pink one and a green one. And we didn't even... Guys, I'm the same as you. Well, I think... When I was growing up, first of all, I, was, I grew up in a very poor family, so we didn't have money. My parents didn't buy me a bunch of guitars and things right, like that. Right. I had cheap guitars, and our plan was, as, as pathetic as this is, we were going to buy these guitars, and then we were going to graduate from school early, which we both did, and we were going to move out to L.A. and try and make something happen. So we both buy these, <laughs> we both buy these guitars, these gems, and then we don't move, and for me... Because I grew up in North Dakota and it's in Fargo and it's not a real big uh, community, we didn't have a ton of different things to choose from. And I wasn't, I, I knew I wasn't really just the typical Strat Les Paul kind of guy. I wanted something different. 
And um, so I bought the pink gem, which I still own today. And um, I never really looked back. So when it comes to gear, when you guys talk about going a year without buying gear, I'm not a gear junkie. I, I, I use the same gear for many, many years and, and it, in, it just never, I was fine with it. But here's, here's what I tell people is for me, the, the best way this worked was I, I found this gem and it just fit me. It plays really well. And I now own like seven of them. And I, who knows, maybe if I'd started on a Strat or started on a Jackson or started on something else when I was 17, maybe things would be different. I don't know, but that's what I went with. And then it was about 1990 that I was introduced to EMGs. So I put EMGs, I had an 81 and 89 set put in. Right. And that, that's been my thing ever since then is I could plug into literally any amp and I could make it work for me with that setup that I've got. I, I and believe so, Michelangelo Badio said the same thing. Uh, is that right? Either to us or somebody else where he's like, yeah, when I'm using active pickups, he's like, I can literally plug into any amp in the world and get my tone. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, obviously there's amps that are better than others, no doubt about it, but but I, I, my comfort zone is that guitar and those pickups. So if I've got those with me, I'm, I'm good. So yeah, the Ibanez gem has been, and now here I am, you know, at 48 and I've got an endorsement with Ibanez and with EMG and things like that. So that's just been a, a blessing. And all these companies, when, when we got together and talked about this, they're like, well, why do you want an endorsement? It looks like you already have enough stuff. And, um, I'm like, I don't, I don't want free stuff from you. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm just proud of the fact to be under the umbrella because I really do love this stuff. And I really, you know, it's not that somebody's giving me something that I don't really give a crap about, but I'm going to try and solicit it to somebody to see if I can get them to buy it. I live for these things, you know? Yeah. And, and in today's day and age, like a lot of people, when they get lessons, the first, you know, they buy their first guitar and then they sign up for lessons, right? So they don't have any real direction when they buy their first guitar. That's right. And then they go through their lessons and they get like, you know, they maybe get a year in or whatever. And they're like, I need another guitar. And the instructor may be saying, you know, hey, it's time to graduate into something a little bit more. And then it's like, well, what do I get? And then they ask the instructor instead of, you know, they might go try. Or they ask the internet. It's yeah, even right. where they ask the internet. Right. Even worse, they ask the internet. Well, I don't think well, the instructor's necessarily a bad person to ask, frankly, but it, but it depends because no. I've seen some that, that recommend some off-the-wall stuff. But Right. Um, you know, it's true. The, the thing about, like, with a beginner that's learning how to play, I, I get parents loving their kids and wanting to buy them a really nice guitar because yeah. they care about them, but the truth is it doesn't matter how much you spend on a guitar. That kid is probably a year from now going to want – something different you know right and you don't know um, when they're going to develop as yeah. an artist either yeah and and nowadays you know it's different like when i when i was nine years old i got an acoustic guitar from my uncle and the strings you could have used it as a bow and arrow those strings yeah. are so far away from the, the neck i don't even know that you can buy guitars like that anymore i think anything coming out of a out of a manufactured you know out of a I think they're all playable. Yeah, I mean, the, the only thing you're going to run into that's like toy guitars is like like first act or something. Sure, like sure. So, and yeah. even they had a custom shop for a while. So yeah, that's right. That's, that's great. That's right. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's hard to look at a first act because uh, what was the custom shop like in Massachusetts or something? And yeah. so the um, the custom shop first acts are like two thousand dollars. Yeah, and You're then like, they what? have. <laughs> first acts like six dollars <laughs> yeah yeah people are well, throwing over the garbage yeah and and that's the thing is who would who would buy a two thousand dollar first act right i mean if you had two thousand dollars james valentine 
Well, no, he, didn't he have a signature model from them at one point? I was think, it? I think he did. Was it James Valentine? One of the guys on? in Maroon 5 had a signature yeah. model from them at one point. Yeah, but now he's moved on to somebody else. Uh, music Man. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but, that's right. Yeah, so we try not to. So this podcast, it's, it's kind of funny because like we end up talking about gear a lot. We we really are not a gear focused podcast. No, it just ends up being that a lot of our conversations lately have been about gear. It um, sucks. It does and it doesn't. Like to an extent, I guess a lot of our listeners really enjoy it. Unless you I, make a fun of Gibson. You know that I don't know if you've seen the meme he goes around where it's you know Jimi Hendrix or whatever, and it's like you don't need more pedals, you need more practice. Right, right. You know, and I kind of feel like uh, for a lot of people, um, gear holds them back from actually really working yeah. hard on the instrument. Because well, they, they and and, and, and you're right. And the other thing is, is that people always like I've I used to find this with students a lot. People love to talk about ideas. You know, right? Well, you know, if you were to do, and I'm always like, I get that. So now do it. Like instead right. of just talking about it, here for me is the same way. I I, I used a line six, uh, the spider valve. The, okay. the the two twelve the Bogner yeah that's the only I spider used, I I would ever even think about <laughs> yeah and, and you know it worked great for for many years on the road and it was it was you know I used to run four four twelves and then yeah, yeah. it was two four twelves and then you know as you get older you're like screw that I just want something that's really yeah, easy give me like a one by twelve it's <laughs> yeah. fine <laughs> yeah now I'm down to my yeah that's the thing is it, I don't know this technology nowadays has gotten so crazy I just did a review for positive grid on the new release of the bias effects universal app. Yeah. These companies have come so far that you just, you can get, and again, I don't, I don't get into this argument of solid state versus two versus yeah, digital. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. You can argue, you can argue about this stuff three ways to, to, to tomorrow. But the, the truth is, is they all give you great sound. If you know how to dial it in and you know how to play through it. And right. so, I don't, I, I embrace that technology because, you know, Jim was, and I were, my daughter was just down here a little while ago. When I'm in my studio and I'm doing my thing, I, I don't want to mic my amp and then have to turn it up to a certain volume to get a certain tone. And the whole house is awake because I'm doing my recording yeah. and there's bleed through with my mic when I'm talking, you know, I can run it direct into my computer and use a decent VST and I'm good to go. Right. Yeah. Well, I got, I mean, I got the Helix under my desk here there you and, go. and we've even been using that for pedal demos and stuff off and on. The most of the time it's, you know, I'm using an amp with a microphone because let's face it, if you don't, they're just going to bitch and complain. Why aren't you using an amp? And, and this is what, this is what I use most of the time in the house now. Yeah. yeah. This little guy you know, right. I, I have a, head. <laughs> there's a friend I have here in, in Fargo and he's, he's a gear junkie. No doubt about it. He, he buys stuff all the time and he actually approached me about this whole positive grid thing because it was a new technology for him and he's like you know at some point the guys that do all the repairs here locally are they're not going to be around anymore because the technology is changing you know those guys that used to repair all really those hard amps, to get, yeah that you know level i don't know I, I i would never say one's better than the other that's not the the position i take with anything with this sort of stuff but i just i'm cool with it all you know i've got some incredible yeah. tube amps that i love to play live and um, I've got some solid. I've got an orange solid state that I love to play. And like I said, when I'm in my studio here, you know, you guys, I'm sure you're familiar with the Big Sky. The Big Sky has got by Strymon has got that that uh, cabinet emulation button yeah, on the back. Yep. Have you ever played through that? No, I have not. But I know people who have, and they, they it love sounds it. great. Yeah. It sounds. Um, great. I use cabinet emulation, emulation, all kinds of stuff all the time. That's right. I live in a condo, so I really don't oh, have yeah. an option. 
Well, like my, my Hughes and Kentner here's got cab emulation as well, you know, yep. but, but to be able to plug into, I've got a, a Strymon Riverside that I can then run into my timeline and run into my Big Sky, and I can use that for recording, mm-hmm. just my foot pedals, nothing else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm using the Amp 1 from... Uh, Oh, that's great. Blue guitar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm using now. Yeah. yeah. And it that's is that great. Thing is, that, you're talking about practical. <laughs> yeah. I, I talked to him last year uh, or this past summer at uh, Gear Fest. He was there. So oh, I got so you were there him. too? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, yes. well, that's where I met uh, Thomas. So, oh, yeah. yeah. He, what a great guy. Yeah. We had him on the Wonderful. show. Yeah, we had him on right? the show. Yeah, yeah he moaned cool in from dude. Germany. Very good episode. Yeah. So. yeah he's, a good, he's a cool guy. Yeah, that's where I, I met Neil or Tim Pierce. I don't, you guys probably know who Tim Pierce is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I didn't see him there, but but you know, I yeah. I was in a YouTube seminar with these other two, three younger guys, two two younger guys and a younger gal, and Tim was in there. And I, I remember left about that because that's the one that had everybody lined up out around the block. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And so. I I was in there, and then I left about twenty minutes early because I needed to go talk to Tommy over at EMG and stuff like that. Because it was at the end of the day, they were right. I wanted to talk to everybody b- before they right left. before they break down. You know, that's right, that's right. And I'm walking back in the building, and somebody goes, "Hey, did Tim find you?" I go, "Tim, who?" And he goes, "Tim <laughs> Pierce." I go, "Why would Tim Pierce be looking for me?" He goes, "I don't know. Tim is looking for you." So I'm running around crazy trying to find Tim. I'm like, "Tim Pierce wants to talk to me." So I found Tim, and we uh, we got together, and we've just been hanging out since then. So very uh, cool, yeah, super cool guy. Uh, just being able to you know go into that kind of event, like I I, I hope you go next year because what we're I will be there. Uh, Jim and I'll both be there. Yeah, we're going. Cool. So yeah, it, it's super cool to be able to walk around and just like run into people, like you know. Yeah, for those of you that might be, guys. that's right. For those of you listening that always wish that you could go to Nam, go to Gear Fest. Yeah, I, I'm I telling think you, Gearfest is a better event for that. I yeah, public. I mean, I go better to Nam every year too, but but Gearfest <laughs> is so much for the people. Yeah, yeah exactly. Plus, like, it's in the middle care. of the country. Yeah, and well, you can buy stuff. Na- yeah. Nam, Nam is yeah, a you can buy stuff exactly. Summer <laughs> Nam is a national Nam, but it's, uh, Well, Summer Nam is. We were talking yeah, about Summer Nam, but that's if you were going to do a competing event, it would be Summer Nam because it's like the next week. Yeah, it's the next week. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I've got to ask you. So I, when I was when I was googling you earlier this week because I wanted to see if you had any endorsements and stuff, I found you have a GHS endorsement. I do. You're I a do. GHS user. Same thing. I've used GHS ever since I was a kid. And I used it for a while. Yeah, I've I've gone to different. You know, I've tried Ernie Ball and I've tried Dario and I've tried different things, and I just I always wind up coming back to the Boomers, and it, it's just this weird thing because I. I don't notice a night and day difference with the kind of tones that I get and the feel that I get off my my gems. I don't I don't switch and go, oh my god, this is a revelation to me. I'll try something else and go, yeah, it's you know it's fine. And then I wind up picks were the same way until I tried these. Um, I um, was introduced to these things. They're, they're hawk picks out of U, out of the UK. And up until then, I was using the the small Petrucci's, the the Jazz yeah, Three Petrucci's, right. and I really dug those. And then I got these Hawk picks, and they're I'm a small guy; I'm only five foot two, uh, with heels on. And um, <laughs> and the Hawk pick was a there you go. And the Hawk pick was a little bit wider, um, a little bit bigger than than those. And I wasn't sure if I'd like it, and I wound up just falling in love with those things. But I still love 
I think Dunlop's got some amazing picks too, but yeah. it has more to do with the feel than it does with the sound. Like, again, mm-hmm. I don't use a pick and go, wow, that sounds so drastically different. It more has to do with the way it, it moves across the strings, I think, for me. Yeah, well, we, if you're just going to talk about picks for a minute, I mean, like, I found that, that just, just thickness has more to do with the sound of the pick yes. than yes. the actual material, with yeah. two exceptions. So there's these, this brand called Cool Picks, and if you if you drop those things on a table, they bring out like a like a tuning fork. Mm. I, I've never seen anything like it. In my Interesting. Life. But they're so soft that if you if you're an acoustic player and you like play a set, you'll you'll need three picks to get through the set. Oh sure. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just insane. But Dust is going. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it'll, it'll take a four hundred dollar acoustic like refinishing like a house. Bucks. I mean, yeah. So, uh, just just interesting things. And then like I use uh, I'm actually using V pick, but. It's only because they're the only people I found that make the shape that I want. Oh sure. So, yeah, I use the I use the Petrucci and the and the uh, Eric Johnson. Uh, the Eric Johnson ones are red. It's the oh, same yeah. thing, really. Yep. Um, honestly, I can't tell the difference between the two in feel, texture, nothing. But. Have you tried the newer Petruccis? I think they're newer. They're they're the red ones. The Majestic or whatever. I don't even forget. They just I forget. came out. Yeah, I have a bag of them here. Those are pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, those are pretty cool. So I like those. The um, so you're playing gems. Like I'm yeah. assuming you came from kind of a more shred background, right? For, for that is correct. Yeah, I told um, him you were the shredder guy. <laughs> you are. You're uh, the shredder guy. Even though I, shred sucks. I like. Did more, you see that? That was one yeah, of our episodes. That was, that was, I did see that. that. I came up with that episode title. That was me. The uh, clickbait. That's one of our highest rated episodes, <laughs> believe it or not. Oh, yeah, I bet. I believe I the bet. description actually says clickbait. Um, <laughs> but it, but anyway, so I mean, I'm a shred guy. Like I like I like a lot of the really complicated technical music, and I'm kind of closeted about it because every time you say anything to anybody, you're like, "Oh, I like Steve Vai." They look at you like they're insane. Like you're insane. Yeah. Like, why would you like Steve Vai? You know, it's like, well, I I, I for one thing. I started out my whole guitar journey, like listening to Led Zeppelin and, and Jimi Hendrix and all that stuff. And then I found Frank Zappa. Right. And so the whole Zappa thing is like, well, who's Zappa? Who is Zappa's con- contemporaries? Right. And the next step is Steve Vai. Right. So, I, I mean, like, I get it. I get the whole thing. Do you, do you feel like uh, you ever catch hell for, you know, being schooled in technique? Because that's essentially what I look at Shred as is like, okay, so I can do these different techniques it doesn't necessarily mean you don't play with feel it, you know, people, people want to, people want to slam it because there are some people that do it that don't have all those other pieces. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the thing of it is, is it's, you're right. There's two things I'll say about that. I think there's a new wave of players that even if they are technique based, they slam guys like Steve Vai because it's a, there's a new school. There's a whole yeah. new school of players like, like Guthrie the and all these guys. Ones, right. Yeah, yeah. So those guys are the the old school. Like everybody loves to to bash Metallica or bash Lars or whatever. Sure, Th- sure. This is the new movement of these younger guys. And and I don't know, you know that that whole thing. But the, the the second part of that is 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 the shred or not to shred thing in general. And I think you're right. I I think people tend to bash it because they they can't do it there's no doubt that it's it it's a it's an element that can be overused but playing nothing but pentatonic notes can be overused oh yeah like like you know if all you know is a pentatonic scale and that's all you're playing for everything 
that can get overused as well. So, yeah. so I think I think that the trick for for me is that playing needs to be dynamic. You know, a song should have dynamics. A solo should have Absolutely. dynamics. And people forget sometimes that in the real world, like whenever I teach people, I try and teach them with a real world lens. Like, what would you do if you were in a band? Or maybe someday you'll be in a band or you'll jam with somebody or whatever it might be. We don't always have the liberty of playing along with jam tracks for seven minutes when you're on stage. You get right. to solo for nine seconds. Yeah, so it has to be concise. You got to make something good for that amount of time that fits the situation that you're in. When you're jamming over things, you know, for seven minutes, it's hard. I don't care how good, I don't care if you're Eddie Van Halen, it's hard to fill seven minutes with creative jamming, you know, and, and shredding is one of those elements that helps to build you know, tension and it builds this, this energy and then you can bring it somewhere else. And so I always think like, you know, you have someone like Ingve Malmsteen, for instance, who, yeah, I saw him last night, by the way. Oh, how was he? Uh, well, so first three songs are typical. Like he was, you could tell he wasn't warmed up yeah. and then, and then it kicked into high gear and it was just like mind blowing yeah. um, from that moment on. But, uh, yeah. So, Right. Anyway, not to interrupt. <laughs> oh, no, no. That's, that's, per- and that's the thing is, is a guy like that, he is all about full on. That's his thing is, is just, it's all Pedal about, the yeah, that's right. There's nothing wrong with that. If, if you don't like it, then just don't listen to it. If you don't want to play like that, then don't play like that. I'm, I'm so glad to hear you say that. Cause like, that's, that's, that's exactly my, my whole, um, my whole take on this. Like that's, so I, I started out and, and it was like actively trying to, you know, place like some of the stuff that these guys were putting out. And um, I had enough chops that I could get probably 50% of the way there years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm probably 75% of the way there now and I'm actively pursuing it again, but I took like a five or six year hiatus because I was like, you know, every time I do this, somebody bitches and they're like, Oh, well you've got, you're not doing this right. Or you're not doing that right. And I just didn't do it. But then at the same time, it's like, well, they don't know how to do it either. So, well, that's okay. So, so you've you've tapped onto something that kind of describes our society in general right now. Is everybody is more than willing to bash somebody else for something that they're working on or sure. that they believe in or whatever it might be, versus looking at themselves and going, okay, so what is it? This goes back to what I said when we first started talking. Figure out your journey and be happy with it. Why do you care? what I use. Why do you care if I use a a gem? Why do you care if I use EMGs? Why do you care if I, you know, wear a tank top? It, it, none of it affects you at all. If you don't, but, but we live in a world of a keyboard warrior where everybody can have this, this (laughs) negative opinion. (laughs) And you know, the, the beauty of it is, is what I have found, I've got, you know, I've got the max amount of followers that you can have on Facebook. And I, I tapped onto this about two months ago where if I get in and I see a, you know, a thread and somebody on there is being that, that person, I just block them. Even if they're not friends, even if I'll never know this guy, I just block everything. So all of a sudden my Facebook feed is just really good. It's really fine. I don't have time. I'm, I'm getting too damn old to be dealing with people's negativity and complaining about everything that's going on. And this goes back to what Jim said. I think it was Jim practice just go back to practicing like what is it that you want stop worrying about what everybody else is doing yeah. and figure out what you need and just spend some time practicing yeah and i think i think the, the a struggle that a lot of people face in that in that situation is they they kind of want to back off and say um you know what what do i really need to know 
And right. I, I think that journey for a lot of people is really, really difficult because they don't, they're not really sure what they want to do with guitar. And actually, I, I kind of fell into that in the very beginning where I was like, I was exploring flamenco and classical playing and all these different things. So I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know where I fit with all this stuff. Well, and that's, that's the thing is this Pandora's box that is guitar playing is infinite. Yeah. There's no way that you're going to get whatever it is you're trying to get. You're never going to get on the top of the hill and go, oh, here it is, and then you die. Like, you never yeah. get there yeah. because because there's so many things. And that's the good and bad of YouTube, of course. The good is is that you have all this free content. The bad is is that if you don't know, if you don't have some semblance of understanding your journey, it's really confusing because there's just all this information out there. Yes. And um, if, if you don't tap into something that makes sense to you, this is why I create guitar courses. You don't have to buy it. I mean, if you're not interested, it's no big deal. But the hope is, is that if you do buy it, it's giving you an explanation that you yeah, can understand. Yeah, that goes from point A to point B. You don't, you know, I have enough stuff out there between the Guitar Zoom YouTube channel and the Steve Stein. I probably have a thousand videos between the two of them. Yeah, yeah. You have like 400 on the Steve Stein account, I think. Yeah, and I think I've got 500 and some or something over on the Guitar Zoom one. So, and there's there's new stuff all the time. And if people ask questions, I make videos on them. So, I'm, it's not just about hoarding the good stuff and just making guitar courses that people have to buy. There's, there's more than enough free stuff. I just want people to enjoy the journey, but you need a guitar course. If you want more explanation and you want, it's it, like guitar lessons. You can say, Oh, you don't need guitar lessons. All you need to do is watch videos on YouTube. Maybe that works for you. That doesn't work for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Sure. I think, I think, um, during the, uh, the live thing that you, I want to say you touched on it during that. I watched so many of your videos. It might have been one of those. But um, you spoke about how music, it's not just a journey, it's a language. Yeah. And um, sometimes you're going to speak French and sometimes you're going to speak German and sometimes you're going to speak Latin. And it really just depends on what is the language that works right in the context of the song that you're doing at that moment. Um, and just because, I, like, I'll never learn a certain language. I'll never learn every language in the world. So sure. it's not realistic for me to expect to be able to learn to play every style in the world. Um, and even within languages, I would argue that the three of us, we have different dialects. So we all have a different, you know, a different way of, of speaking. Um, and we find different vowels and syllables that we will enunciate and and you know, uh, push down and, 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 um, you know, uh, make, make bigger because we're, we're always, we come from different backgrounds. Right. So with that said, um, I think that's what musically, that's what it, it is that you evolve. You, like I was telling you before we got started, you know, I learn, I learn songs. I, I try to learn a whole solo when I'm doing a cover, I'll learn a solo and then I'll break it down. But I break it down by sentence by sentence. <clears throat> then when I have it, I go, okay, now how would Jim play it? Because right. if I got lost, it, can you imagine giving a memorized speech in the moment every time you go to, to say anything, right? Right. And then you forget the words. That, then all of a sudden you don't, know where, you don't know where to come from. I know as a singer, I forget the words. And then I go, oh, shit. I got to come up with something on the spot. And right. so I'll just like, I'll literally mumble or, or, I'll, or I'll use the uh, James Hetfield, 
and then I'll come back to what I was doing. Right. Well, you I'll know, tell you this. One thing up to the end of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one thing I think is interesting is is it seems like everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people believe that the be all end all of guitar playing is improvisation. Like that's what you have to learn how to do. You've got to be able to improvise. There are a lot of players out there. You're not going to go up to Neil Young and go, hey, let's do a jam. Now, he's going to jam with you, but you guys have heard Neil Young's jam. It's not, it's not an Eddie Van Halen jam, and I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying it's a different kind of thing altogether. And so one thing that we have to understand is, like when, when people would take lessons from me, especially adults, you know, the first thing that comes out of their, their mouth is, well, I don't want to play in a band or anything. I just, why do you say that? Are you sure? No, you don't Are know you, what you want. Uh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> and, and, and to be honest, if you've never played with other people, it's one of the greatest experiences ever. Right. Making music with other people is a really cool thing, whether it's in, in your basement or whether it's in front of 20 people or whether it's in front of 2,000 people. It, it's a really cool thing if you've never done it before. And so one thing that you've got to learn to do if, if you stop telling yourself that you're never going to play with anybody else, because if you keep telling yourself that, okay, well, then, then the parameters change, right? Because you are a king or a queen in your room when, you, when you're jamming. You're as good as you'll ever be when you're by yourself. And that's right. why students will always say, well, you know, you make me nervous, and so I do this better at home when I'm alone. Well, of course you do, because there's no pressure. Right. When you're pressure around, is part of being a musician, too. That's right. And so I always tell people who you really are is when you're nervous. Like, that's who you really are, because that's what people see. That's what people hear. Right. It, it, that's the person that you are, not the person when you're by yourself. So the trick is, is do you, you know, for any of us that have written songs or performed in bands that do cover songs or whatever, you have to play this game of how much of the song do you want to learn note for note versus how much of it do you want to improvise? And neither one is right or wrong. I'll right. give you guys a sh an example. When there was a, I used to play in this band for many years and we used to do Turn Up the Radio by Autograph, which is a really fun yeah. solo to play. Yes, it is. <laughs> And for some reason, I just never took the time to really figure out what was going on underneath the, 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 the chord progression underneath, which it's Mixolydian. But, but, and I broke a string, so I'm in front of this audience and I'm playing, I broke a string and I go to solo over the top of it. And both the, we were a three piece and both the other guys are looking at me going, because I was completely in the wrong key. I, I got nervous. I freaked out <laughs> because I didn't do my homework. I, w I wasn't prepared for what was coming. You know, I, right. if, if, the, if something went wrong and then I went home that night and went, huh, that ain't never happening again. So, <laughs> and then you really learned the solo. That's right. Well, and I knew the chord progression underneath because if that had happened again, I would be able to jam and still get my way through it. Now, how many times have you, I, I can admit that I've done this. How many times have you played a solo and you don't know what the chords are while the um, oh, while you're playing? Many, many, many <laughs> times. Many times. Most of the time when I do it. Yeah. I mean, it all, it's all circumstantial. No one knows. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but as Jim and I were talking about before we, we went live, you know, that's something that I've learned to really appreciate in the last 10 years or so. I grew up being a shredder and I grew up playing metal and so for me my way of thinking was linear you know Ingve mm -hmm. Malmsteen moving across the fretboard you know right. the horizontal way and it was all about flash and speed right and then I started getting into you know bands like Toto and Journey and right, things right. like that and all of a sudden 
there was, there was an, an entire, you know, before it, the, the chords never made sense because if you were playing Slayer, it didn't matter anyway. You're in right. E and you're just, yeah. you know, tuned down, but you're, you're, you're just jamming in that, that scale. Yeah. It's riff based and not right. so much. Chord now all based. of a sudden you're trying to solo over this right. thing by journey. You've got to respond to these chords. This is where melody comes in. This is where phrasing comes in. Yeah. And I, I didn't know a lot about that, you know, whatever, 10, 10, 15 years ago is when I really started first trying to kind of learn about this stuff. And now I just love that kind of stuff. You know, as these chords are coming up, what am I going to do next? How am I going to respond to this thing? So it requires more of my brain and it requires more interaction with the music than just trying to play fast across the fretboard. And I'm not dogging that. Mm. Metal will well, always be my no. first love, but well, and, and I'm sure you've run into people like who I hate to say are like me, who everything they everything they do on the guitar is guttural, like right. They they can hear the chord progression. They don't know what those chords are, but right. as long as they know what the the you know, like the key is, or and or they have good ears, they mm-hmm. just they go for it and they can do it. I mean, that's, you know, th- I tell you what though. I, I, I teach, uh, I have a, a guitar course that's on caged, the caged chord system. Right, right, right. Okay. I look at caged differently than other people do because I don't think of caged in terms of like a pentatonic shape or something like that. Right, 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 right. I, I've always tried to teach caged in that what you're really trying to do is let's say you don't know your theory and you don't know your root third, fifth, and you right. don't know where they are on the fretboard, which is cer- certainly something important to learn. But let's say... In all honesty, you don't know those things. But if you could learn to see a G chord across the fretboard and you I can see a pentatonic you scale. This in one of your videos, yeah. Yeah. And, and you could see a pentatonic or something, but you could see that G chord across the fretboard. When that G chord is being played underneath you, you could all of a sudden respond with these color tones sure, because sure. the notes you that you're seeing, it. that's right. And, and the more you make those connections, at least it was for me, the, the more excited you get because your, mute, your, your soloing sounds real. It sounds mm. authentic. Right, right. You're not just pretending and hoping that everything kind of works out. Yeah. You're actually making a logical connection that is fundamentally what music is. Right, right. And, and you can hear, so if you go to any open mic night, you'll hear the guys that are just stumbling through. Yes. If you, if you know how to hear, you know, to know what to listen for. Um, hopefully I'm not one of those guys that's stumbling through. Uh, I'm <laughs> told, I, through I'm, told I'm not. <laughs> I, actually, we sat in, um, I'll tell a story real quick. We sat in with a, with a piano player who used to be the uh, band leader for this uh, line, the family stone. And he does a bunch of like gigs here in Chicago. He's got, I mean, he's a full-time musician. Like he's playing somewhere every single night and playing during the day, usually at like a hotel or something, wow. a, piano, a piano player or whatever. Um, so we go, we go in and we sit in with them and there, there's a whole story behind this that I'll leave out. But he asked, he asked me and, and my buddy who were there and he's like, can you guys, are you guys going to be able to cut, you know, cut? And I'm like, I'll be fine. Like the other guy was like, I don't know. I'm not sure. He's like, I'll, I'll just lay back if, it, you know, if anything happens. And I was play. I mean, like I hadn't played any of the tunes that, that actually the funny part is when I started packing up. He's playing songs that I knew when mm-hmm. I'm packing up, you know? Um, but I, nobody knew. Nobody had any clue, you know? Right. Um, so I, I got away with that when he actually asked me back. He's, he said, you know, he comes over and he goes, you, he's like, I was really shocked. I didn't think you were going to be that good. <laughs> he's like, whatever you want. Sure. <laughs> like, All right. Well, I got a buddy uh, from Australia. His name is Luke Gallagher. I don't know if you guys have heard of him before, but he's, he's just a, an amazing country picker. He started off as a metal guy, mm-hmm. um, but, but he, he, he found his his passion in, in country guitar playing. And so he's spending three months out in Nashville right now, kind of cutting his teeth on 
what they do out there. And, and I was talking to him and he was telling me about how they have these split gigs out there where you there's a four-hour gig in the morning and then a four-hour gig at night. Yeah. And you basically you show up, wh- whoever the band is, whoever these people are, there are different people from different places that just volunteer, right. you know, sign up. So they all show up and then there's a singer. And then whatever that singer chooses to do these keys of these songs in. So he goes, you show up, you don't know, there, there is no set list. You, you better know the national numbering system real quick. Well, you need to know that. <laughs> and, and he goes, so he goes, you get up and you start playing and the place is packed. And it's a song you've never heard before. Yeah. And now you're trying to, you're sweating and you're trying to follow what everybody else is doing. Plus they want you to sing harmony. So once the chorus has gone around, the next time it comes around, you're trying to sing a harmony to it. And then they yell out solo and you're trying to solo. <laughs> and then he goes, so you think you got it. So you go back to the hotel and you practice all these things. And then the next day you come back and now you're singing with a different singer that's playing yeah. in a different key. He's like, no, we're so, going to move it up two steps. You're like, oh, now no, you, no. yeah. So <laughs> You know, you can see how you'd get better at it, but it's just trial by fire, which I think is so exciting. I was in a band where we used to, we would hear a song on the way to a show, especially if it was a long um, yeah. road uh, travel. We would we would hear a song on the radio and our lead singer would go, okay, everybody shut up. So we'd listen to it and everybody would listen to the song and then we would try and visualize and memorize how the song goes so then that night we would perform it so yeah. we would we would practice it at sound check maybe we're in the right key maybe we're not maybe yeah, we did yeah. all the parts maybe but it was just kind of a fun thing that we would do as a band and then that night we would play this this new song very um, Jimi hendrix doing the uh, uh what was it sergeant peppers with the yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> you know? the moment. I, yeah. I had a similar thing. It's funny you you mentioned that country thing. So I was a bass player um, and a guitar player for this country band. Um, and while I was bass player, we we had a similar thing happen. They um, we were playing these festivals in upstate New York, and we would play our gig. So our band would come. It was the North Forty band, but we would we would have a, we would. Um, have another act and we would either open for you them, back for them. Back, for you, would you back them up? Is that what you're saying? Right. And then we would be their background because they would sure. just be the singer. Sure. Right. Like, yep. you know, Kelly, Kelly Pinkerton or whatever her name was. The, the Pickler. Pickler. Yeah. And it, it, these people, they would show up and then it's like, all right, you've got to know the songs. And <laughs> yep. it was like, here's your, here's your music that you may or may not play. And then, okay. Um, I think, and then you you would show up and and they would just and if you didn't know it they would hand you a, a list and go okay this is what we're gonna do and it was these girls and and um, you know a couple guys mostly mostly women that um, were there and I can remember afterwards it was just funny because afterwards we had these these autograph signings and the girls were signing autographs and they were like yeah yeah the band has to sign autographs too <laughs> signing autographs and I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> I thought your album. I thought, yeah, right. Sure. Yeah, yeah, Never met you before in my life. Yeah. But, uh, well, that's. I was on tour with my buddy from Grim Reaper, Steve Grimmett, who's the lead singer for Grim Reaper. He was the best man at my wedding. And uh, so they toured over here in America, and I was the guitar player for them because their, their normal guitar player had stuff going on in, in, um, in the U.K., mm-hmm. Same thing. You get done with the show, and then they're all signing autographs. You're like, I don't want to sign that. I'm not yeah. on that album. I really just do. Just here enjoying, the, yeah, enjoying the uh, the tour is all. So under that guy's name, you write down. Yeah, hired gun. <laughs> you know? yeah. But all this stuff we're talking about, guys. This this isn't harmonic minor. You know, this isn't sweeps. Right. The, the, all these things are real world situations. Right. That are just as important 
as any theory or any technical thing that you'd practice. And I, that's my thing is I try and encourage people. It might seem scary at first, but once you start doing this sort of thing, it's, it's really exciting. It's fun to play with other people. Yeah. Um, that's, we, we talked about it, how to get good fast. We had an episode called how to get good at guitar. That's another uh, one of our popular ones. And honestly, like that was the main, the main point of that was like, get out of the bedroom. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter whether you're planning to be a professional or anything like that. Get out of the bedroom, go to jam nights, go to open mics, have people over at your house to play, like whatever you got to do, because there's no substitute for working with other musicians and like actually coming up with something or at least like performing the works of other people. Yeah, that's there, right. There's a lot of mental aptitude that has to go on in order for that to happen. That's so right. Unless you've exposed yourself to that, you, you could be the, the, you know, the most technical guitar player in the world. If you can't swing with the guy that's sitting next to you, there's a problem. That's you know? right. So, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That's, there's timing, there's groove, you know, how, how to start songs, how to end songs, how to, how to deal with, you know, the singer getting off, you know, off beat. Picking up, there, picking there's up a million, body cues even. Or, like, yeah. When the, when the singer doesn't come in when they're supposed to. Yeah. So there's a million things. Early. Jim does that a lot. I've heard. <laughs> I'm teasing. I had, a, yeah. I had a professor once that told me, it told the class, he said something along the lines of, um, you're only a, you'll experience what it's like to be a true musician, not when everything's going right, but when everything's everything going wrong. Goes, goes to shit, yeah. Yeah, and I always thought that was really cool because it, it's just so true. Like, there's so many situations like that where there's a, there's a unity that, well, that's why it's called a band, right? I mean, there's a unity thing that happens with what you're doing. And, and you know, there was a time when I played in bands um, because we made really good money. And then there became a time when now I play what I want to play with people I want to play with. And it doesn't matter if there's a lot of people or not. We enjoy what we do. If I never have to play, you know, this is me. But if I never have to play Brown Eye Girl on stage for the rest of my life, it, I'm so fun. glad you said that right now because Jim hammers me about that Brown Eyed Girl song every freaking time we talk about the he does and what I do. Yeah. You know, but it's different strokes for different folks. I mean, if, if somebody is happy doing that, I'm just saying it wasn't, it wasn't making me happy. I wasn't, I wasn't happy doing that. I'd rather do my own thing and have far less crowd, but, but, but just enjoy the moment because that's what I'm into. But I can say that because I spent many years doing Doing that in front of large crowds. So, so I got to do that. You know, if somebody's never gotten the opportunity to do that, there's nothing wrong with because that brings up the argument of cover versus original. Like that, original exactly. bands go, that's what Jim you know, and I argue about all the time. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, he's more original. I'm more cover. Sure. Yeah, to be honest, yeah. I don't care what you do, Jim. I really don't, as long as it makes you happy. Like, it's like right. the Donnie and Marie thing. A little bit country. So I'm in a band, right? Um, I, I don't know if you've ever played guitar on Boogie Oogie Oogie, but let's just say that uh, there's not a whole lot going on there. <laughs> So I have to ask you, um, uh, before we let you go, because I know the hour's coming up. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, <clears throat> in the uh, GHS thing, it says you've co-written songs with Rick Springfield, Brian May, Julian Lennon, Benjamin yes. Orr. That's, that's the yes. cars, right? Yes. And many others. Yes. Okay. I- this, this came from – there was a guy out of Nashville, and his name was Dave – And I don't remember his last name. I lost touch with him about four years ago, but he was friends with all these guys. So 
he first contacted me, and this was a social media thing. He contacted me about this Benjamin Orr tune that his wife had that Ben had written the bass line to and had written the vocals to and recorded them, but it didn't have any other parts on it. So he sent me the, the raw tracks of Ben's voice and the bass line, and it had a drum track on there, and then asked me, he would send me charts, and then he would ask me if I would play the, the guitar part over it. And it was very, very surreal. Now, he never released them, and I don't know whatever happened to the guy, unfortunately. The, the Brian May one, Brian only did the solo on it. So when I first did the, the guitar parts to it, uh, this Dave guy had a, a singer, and I can't remember his name either. He's an actor, um, but he does singing. And, and he, had, he, he had sent me the stuff, and he sent me the guitar track, and he said, yeah, Brian May is going to be doing the guitar solo. And I'm like, okay, maybe, you know. Yeah. But I did the guitar <laughs> part. And then he sent me the track, and it had... Brian if it May wasn't, it. yeah. If it wasn't Brian May, it was somebody that sounded just, exactly just like Brian May, yeah. and it was crazy. And then I, there was one that they were doing. Rick Springfield had written uh, for the NFL. Now this was about six years ago, seven years ago, maybe even longer. Um, and they were in talks of having it be a some sort of piece for the NFL. And same thing, guitar, vocal um, of Rick. And then I came in and did like a little, just this little kind of vamp over the top yeah. of it. And the Julian Lennon one was Julian playing piano. And that track I have. I just, they, they never, they never, they never saw the light of day and I've never been able to play them for anybody other than, you know, close friends because... Right. I don't know what kind of trouble I could get in, and I don't know who owns the rights to them or, right, right, yeah, or anything like that. That story is not an uncommon one. I mean, there was a right. guy. So there was a guy that sang for Van Halen before Gary Sharon, and that whole thing. Like, are you talking about Mitch Malloy? Yeah, Mitch Malloy is. A, I'm yeah. friends with Mitch Malloy. Okay, Mitch Malloy. Mitch Malloy is the guy. Remember, Jim, I was telling you about a time that I had to play major and I sucked really bad because I was yeah, playing right? minor. It yep. was Mitch Malloy. He's from Dickinson, North Dakota, okay. and he hired me to play guitar for him. And this was back in my metal days, so I was like, "Oh, this will be easy." So we get in front of this huge crowd, and I sucked horribly. <laughs> and the fact that we're still friends today, I don't even know because he must have just been embarrassed because everything was like this metal shreddy thing over anything at all, and all these songs of Mitch's, you know? Right, right, yeah. Well, Mitch, so yeah, you didn't you know the story about Mitch Malloy and and the Van Halen thing? Where yeah, yeah. He was a member of Van Halen for like three months yep. and they actually record my understanding is they recorded some music they did i've heard it yeah so yeah. it exists yes it it's most certainly it's does commercially released yes <laughs> it does exist that's right so so yeah i um michelangelo badio he was telling us um he he did that whole thing with um uh, who did he have on bass david i don't recall oh you're he's talking about the nit nitro reunite thing right oh, is that right? on bass yeah, Victor Wooten. Is that right? Yeah, they reformed Nitro, and they did a record, I think. I think yeah. they actually finished the record, but then they didn't yeah. have the money to commercially release it or something. Yep. So right. it's just sitting in a can somewhere, and yep. it just it, they, so they tried to crowdfund it, and it didn't go as well as they'd anticipated. Maybe right. they only had like a certain amount of songs done from it or something. You know, I have a buddy, he plays for Justin Timberlake, and he, he's, he's Pharrell's main guitar player. Okay. His name's Brent Paschke. 
And Brent and I used to play in bands together. He's from North Dakota here too. And he 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 and uh, Pharrell have a band called NERD as well. Okay, I've but, heard of them. Yeah, but he, when he was out in Minneapolis, they did this this band called Spy Mob, and they got picked up by EMI or whatever. Same thing. They the, the funding was out, and it got shelved, and it never saw the light of day. And great great music, but yeah, it happens. It happens often. So. That's yeah. my story too. So, self-finance your music, just, just do it yourself. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing is, I in 2019, I'm I've got, you know, the the problem for me is that I I'm always so dang busy with teaching, and it's hard to spend time on what I want to do. And so this year, I'm hoping to finally release a solo album this year um, of just instrumental stuff that nobody will ever hear, and yeah. uh, and then do a band thing. But my problem is probably like some of you guys too is that because i love so many different styles of music it's really hard to dial in do i want to do more of a king's x texas rock thing or do i, I want like to do uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, i'll buy that <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah. jim jim and, and i so we started this podcast roughly a year ago like a little bit over a year ago like by a few days and yeah. uh honestly we so we started off we were doing one episode a week and then we did start doing two episodes a week and we've done two episodes a week for the last eighty-five episodes. This is this and, be, this be eighty-six, by the way. And uh, <laughs> we know the struggle of not having enough time to get our oh own my stuff goodness. done. Yeah, what? people don't realize the prep that goes into creating content. You know, yeah. the, I mean, it's that's the thing. Is yeah, I mean, you try and create, you know, four videos for you know, YouTube. And then you try and, you know, I try and go live once a week on either Facebook or YouTube. And then I create content. We have a guitar club that I have to create content for each week and then guitar or club stuff. And then, you know, just social media engagement in general, there's, there's just a million things. So you could spend, you could spend two days on one video that you're trying, if you want to do a good job. I mean, you're, you're probably, so like you're, you've got it down to a science and you've got, you know, cause you do it a lot. And our, my whole thing is like, we don't do this a whole lot. So when I do a video, it's, oh. it's, it's easily 16 to 18 hours worth of work. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Yep. Just to yeah. put 20 minutes of video to get her 15 minutes of video. Oh, I mean, 20. Yeah. Like, it's like yeah. 10 minutes of video. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's right. It yeah. is. It's a lot of work. people to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing is the, the, the better you get at this dialogue, which is why I think a lot of my videos, um, you know, tend to be popular is, is just I, I try and talk slow. Yeah, you have, well, you have sure great, a great oration. Yeah. Um, and, and I noticed that immediately, like a lot of the other guys that do lesson material, and I'm not going to call them out by name or anything. Of course. Rye, they're hard to, they're, I mean, they're hard to engage with. Right. You, I feel like you're sitting in the room with me talking to me directly. And that's the way it should be. And, and the, the trick is, is to try and talk about something that by the time they're done watching it, they can walk away going, okay, that's, that's something that I can practice. If I'm talking over people's heads all the time, you know, I just put together this beginner guitar course on YouTube, um, and it's got like 21 videos or something like that, that I thought I'm going to name them part one, part two, part three, yeah. because if you're a beginner, you have no idea where to begin. Right, 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 right. So I thought it'd be fun just to make something where somebody out there who doesn't have the money to buy something at least could, could go on there and start trying to figure out how this guitar thing works, you know? Yeah. I think that's important. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I do want to ask you one last thing. Of course. Um, at least the, uh, give us, give us a story that is the funniest or most embarrassing or, um, a road the, story, something some you've, road, oh, gosh. you've had happen where you went, 
Well, there, there's 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 a few I can tell you without getting yeah. in trouble. So sure. the, the, <laughs> that's the way we like them. Oh gosh, <laughs> but but you know, like just stage things. Like I remember, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a headbanger when I'm on stage. I'm right, right, right. That's that's what I do. So I'm standing there and I'm I'm headbanging. The guitar player comes over next to me. He's on this side of me, so he comes over next to me. And I swing my hair up, and my hair goes around his headstock like this. So now we're on stage, and he's trying to pull his guitar away, and my hair is yeah. stuck in his strings, right? And, and we're kind of scalped. Oh, God. So at some point, we just had to grab it and just rip like that. So now on his headstock, it's got a bunch of my hair just hanging off there. And there was another time. <laughs> kids, kids, what I'm telling you is this. Don't try and be cool on stage. This is why I, I try and bring smiling back to metal because there's <laughs> anytime you try to act cool, it, it, it just, it, it, you know, it, it backfires. So another time we're playing on this big stage and there's an, there's an ego, uh, a catwalk, right? Right, right. So the bass player's out there and he's wireless and he's singing and he's doing his thing and I'm trying to be all cool. So I'm walking out on the catwalk behind him. And he turns because he doesn't know I'm back there, and he smacks me with the headstock of his bass. Oh. So I didn't, I didn't knock out, I didn't fall, but I had this huge welt on my head <laughs> for the rest of the show. I'm playing, and I got this throbbing <laughs> headache. Yeah, so you so, got a concussion. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, there, there's been all kinds of different oh. you know, little things like that of just you know falling on stage. There was one stage we were playing on this. This it must have been. Again, I'm only five foot two. It was probably five, six feet in the air. So I'm trying to be cool. It's the last song of the set. So I jump off the stage into the audience and I'm playing and it's not the last song. We still have like three songs left. Now I can't get back on stage. So I just have to stand down there with the audience and play the next three songs because I got nowhere to go. Oh shit, I forgot what the set was. Oh my God. That is is hilarious. (laughs) All right. That, I mean, that is funny. Well, I, you know what? You know what sucks is it feels like we just got started. Um, so I hope we can have you back sometime. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, if you want to plug a project or anything like that, feel free. Yeah. To yeah. Let me know when you've got time. I'd be happy to, to come back and hang out. Yeah. I'd sure. love to do one where we're, where we're doing our one a week so we can get video out there and we can all have guitars in our hands and you can tell oh, us how bad we are. Oh and, uh, yeah, that that won't happen. No, <laughs> I don't know if you haven't heard me play yet. <laughs> uh, I've heard you play though, and uh, you're not bad. So let's put well, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a struggle uh, for all of us. Every day, you just keep trying to figure things out, man. That's and that's what I try and get people to understand is sometimes you can just kind of get lost in a zone, and instead of feeling guilty because you didn't do your finger exercises or you didn't work on your whatever, if you're if you're enjoying what you're doing, yeah. That's that's what you that's, should be doing. If, if, if you're playing and you're not enjoying it for that day, you should be questioning what you're doing. That's like, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There are days that my my technique is spot on, and I'll just go with it. But there are tech, there are times that my technique is just sucking, and those are perfect days for to explore creativity. You know, okay, to explore I, I do, phrasing I, things like that. I do have one weird question for you, Dan. Sure. Do you have any tips for warming up, like for people? Because I know I, I I so being you know the technical <laughs> player, I try to be. Um, yeah. I found that putting my hands in hot water yeah, yeah. will help them loosen up. I didn't wonder okay. if you had anything else. Like I that. got all kinds. As a matter of fact, I just released a video on YouTube that talks about this exact thing. All right, cool. So, but, but what I do 
I, I live in North Dakota and it gets very, very cold here. And I've got, you know, arthritis in my hands and, and, you know, it's, so what I do, I have to do what's called a pre-practice before I do my regular practice. Right. I have to warm up. If I just try and grab the guitar and play, you know, cold, uh, you know, for the day, it's not going to work. So what I right. do is exactly what you just said. The first thing I do when I wake up, I get my daughter up for school and then I'll do stretches where okay. I'll stretch out my hands and all that kind of stuff. I'll run them under warm water. I'll run my forearms under warm water, that sort of thing. And then what I do is I grab my guitar and I just start doing legato exercises and I don't do them strenuously. I'm not trying to work on my chops. I'm just trying to get the lactic acid out of there. I'm trying to get blood flow. I'm just trying to get things warmed up. And that's what the video is about on YouTube is just some things that I do to try and get the blood flow. And I'll do that for, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, something like that, just doing legato. And, um, and then my hand, because to be honest with you, every day when I grab my guitar for the first time, it feels like I, I can't play anymore. That's the way right. my hand feels. So I have to do warm ups, And then after about 20 minutes, I'll go, oh, there they are. They're, it's working again. And instead of getting mad about it, this is just the routine that I have to take. And it's the same routine that I'll do before a show. Um, because like you were just talking about uh, Malmsteen, the problem is, is if you work way too hard before, if you peak on your practice before right. you have to really practice or before a show or something like that, you're going to be in trouble. So I like to just do little warm ups, And then once I get that going, then I'll start doing my normal practice routines, you know, different things like that. So that's what I would say is, is, you know, stretching, warming up your hands under warm water is a really great idea. And then just doing some, some really relaxed regimen of legato. And then once you get that going, you can always get more aggressive, but, but work yeah. your way into it. And and just remember, if you're playing a gig that night, don't don't blow out your you know your wrist and your fingers. So yeah, and, yeah, and that's, that's the same thing. Is is you know John Petrucci has got a great video out uh, on YouTube somewhere. About, yeah, well, he and, and he's got a newer one on I think it's through Guitar World where he talks about peaking. Where he and Phil Collin had this conversation about this last G3 tour about making sure that you don't practice so hard that by the time you hit the stage, you're already fatiguing. So your hands aren't, aren't going to last through the show. So it's, it's kind of like, you know, a weightlifter. You've got to learn how yeah. to plan that thing out. So you don't, you don't, um, you don't overdo it before, yeah, especially before for te- with technical music. I yeah, mean, that's right. right that's right. So, so yeah, just a, a nice general warm up is, and that's what that video is about is, is not really, you know, getting very aggressive. It's just warming yourself up. So then you can practice. Okay, listeners, go find the video. Yeah. I just posted it in the group. Yeah, I, yeah, Thanks, it, Jim. yeah. I think it's cool, and I think I think for a lot of people, you know, instead of just getting frustrated because your hands aren't working the way you want, either you build a routine that gets you to the place you want to be, or if you're having a really crappy day, go another direction. Just try something else. You know, maybe that's a great day to just start exploring your scales a little more, or start exploring, you know, your your harmonic connection with the root, the third, the fifth, things like that, or songwriting, or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, right. so we uh, we've hit our hour. Uh, I have yep. been David. I have been Jim. I am Steve. <laughs> and tonight we have been the practical, the practical guitarist. guitarist. <laughs>